You're listening to the weekly podcast of Citizens Church with Pastor Chris Norman. For more information on the work that God is doing through Citizens Church, please visit us online at citizenschurch.org. So guys, the book of 1 John, we're going to be in it over the next several weeks together. I want to ask you, listen, we're not going to be able to read every single verse and every, every single um, part of it, but I'm going to give you all of the major principles that come out of the book of 1 John. And here's what I want to ask you to do, church, is go on this journey with me between now and the end of November and dive in. I want to ask you to be reading John, First uh, John, um, <clears throat> together as a congregation, be digging into it on your own. Like if you're looking for a spot to read in your Bible, how about you just start reading through First John, and then together when we get here, we're going to bring some of those principles uh, to, to life in, in our time together. And so we're, we're going to be diving in. I actually think that there's a lot of principles that you'll even see today that Man, they are for us. They are for these moments. Like, you are here. Man, it is good that you're here. It's always good when you get to church. I always say, listen, the Sunday you need is the Sunday you miss. The Sunday you miss is the Sunday you need. Don't ever miss a Sunday because you need every Sunday. Amen? And God right now brought you here because there's some things that he wants to speak to us through, through 1 John. I actually think that there's some truths here in First John that are for our time, they're for our season. So what I want to do is bring us back and, and, and ground us some principles that we find in God's, God's word. I've entitled the series, Light, Love, and Life. And, and the reason I entitled it Light, Love, and Life is because you see these three principles all through the book of First John. First John is not... Um, it, is, it doesn't fall under how you would typically outline a book. It's not linear like you would typically think of a, a book being written or an epistle being written. It's very unique in that John uses this. I know some of you, this is like geeking out, but just hang with me so you understand why we called it this. It, it, John uses this method called amplification. And so what he does is he, he has these three topics, light, love, and life, and he circles them over and over again through the book. And every time he circles them, he gives them more color and, deep, and deeper meaning and, and broader application. And this is what he's doing all through the book of First John. So light, love, and life. Book of First John is written by a guy named, does anyone know? John. That was very good. Everyone say it with me. It's written by John. And there's some debate as to which John it was written by, but most point to, and I do believe that this was written by the Apostle John, who gave us the Gospel of John. It's the same, same writer, same literary style that he's, giving, that he's given us. And I don't normally bring those things up, but it's important to understand that this is John, because John had a special, listen, relationship with Jesus. He was one of the twelve, but he was also one of the three, you see, Jesus had the 12, but he also had the three, Peter, James, and John. And, and Jesus would let Peter, James, and John in on things that maybe the other, uh, the other apostles weren't necessarily let in on. They weren't around at everything. They were kind of, these three were really close to Jesus. Now, some people think that Jesus had these three uh, with him at things that the other ones weren't because he had to keep an eye on these three. You know, like, hey, you three, come on, you stay by me. I can't trust you to be off by yourself. And Jesus brought him around with him. But I actually believe that Jesus had a special relationship with Peter, James, and John. And so from the perspective of John's relationship with Jesus, he, 
the Spirit of God allows him to give us some more color that we might not have seen otherwise. You see, it's Peter, James, and John that were with Jesus when he healed Jairus' daughter and, and raised her back to life. The others weren't there. It was Peter, James, and John that were at Mount Trans, what we call the Mount Transfiguration, where Jesus took them up and, and revealed his glory to these three, to these three disciples. It was these three, Peter, James, and John, that were with Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane when Jesus was sweating great, or crying great um, tears of, of blood and uh, sweating great drops of blood. He was sweating because of the anguish that was in his heart. These three were there with him. It was John who actually was at the cross when Jesus was giving his life on our behalf. It tells us that the other disciples had scattered, right? But it tells us John was actually there in the midst. It's John that, remember, if you remember, those of you who know, that Jesus commended Mary to. He told John to take care of his mother, Mary. And so John had a really close relationship with Jesus. And Jesus gave John a nickname. Maybe, maybe you know the nickname. He gave him the nickname uh, him and his brother James, they were, called the, they were called the sons of thunder, right? So Jesus would go, would refer to them as the sons of thunder. Do you know why Jesus referred to them as the sons of thunder? Well, in the, in the book of, of Luke chapter 9, Jesus is on his way to Jerusalem. And on his way to Jerusalem, he sends, he's got to go through Samaria. And so he sends his disciples into Samaria to prepare the way for him coming through. Well, it tells us that they were kind of giving the disciples a little bit of an attitude. They weren't respecting these guys. They weren't creating any room for them. And so they run back to Jesus with this report, like, Jesus, you know, the Samaritans are, they're not, they're not being cool. They're not, they're not creating room for you. They're, they're disrespecting you. And Jesus, listen, here's what I think we should do. We ought to nuke them. That's what, that was their idea. They said, let's call down fire from heaven and consume them. I think it's important for you to hear this because this is John's attitude. He's like, you push me, I push you back harder. That's who he is. He's just got a kind of gruff, kind of got this. He's a, as a young man, just kind of, you know, pushing his way through life. And so Jesus actually corrects him and says, I haven't come to destroy men, but to give them life, John. And he started nicknaming him Sons of Thunder. All right, sons of thunder. All right, sons of thunder. Well, it's really interesting that John, who's known as son of thunder, sits down and writes this book because this book is a book that's marked by love. Matter of fact, it's this book that earned John the, the title, the apostle of love. John's known as the apostle of love. So here's my question as we get into this, and, and, and I really want to bring some application to this. Like, like, how did John go from the son of thunder? Some of you in here, you're sons of thunder. I mean, you're just like, you got this, like, you're a little gruff. You're a little, how did he go from son of thunder to, to the apostle of love? Well, I actually think the answer is found in what John called himself. All through the gospel of John, John refers to himself, listen, as the apostle that Jesus loved. And so John says, a lot of people look at that and go, he's bragging. He's like, I'm part of the three. Jesus loves me more than y'all, right? He's, uh, matter of fact, John was the one that was, when they're having dinner, John was, was sitting closest to Jesus. And, and when he's writing the gospel, he wants to make sure you know that. Like, I had a really good seat at the table, right? But I actually think John is, named himself the one that Jesus loves 
not out of like bragging, but just out of amazement. I think he's writing it out of astonishment. I think John's going, listen, Jesus got really close with me. He knew everything about me. He was there when I, when I wanted to call down fire from heaven to consume a city. Like Jesus was there when I was making messes and doing dumb things and, and saying dumb things. And yet in the midst of all of that, I'm the one he loves. And listen, that love, I think, began to shape and change and transform John to the place where here now as an old man, he sits down to pen the book of 1 John. Most actually believe that this is the oldest book written or the last book given us in, in scripture. Revelation was actually, some believe, written after, after 1 John in chronological order. This is John as an old man. This is John after God has been working with him and Jesus has been transforming him. And he sits down and you just see this tenderness inside of him. Why? Because God's love has now transformed him. God's love has changed him. And I'm telling you, friends, there is hope in that for every single one of us. It means that no matter how you came in here, how broken you are, how hardcore you are, no matter, no matter how, what you've been through, no matter where you are in life, there is the love of God that can transform your life. Some of you think you don't understand how broken I am. You don't understand how, how bitter I've become. You don't understand. Listen to me. Can I introduce you to the love of God? Because the love of God can transform transform any life. And it's my prayer, listen, as we go through 1 John, even today in these moments we have together, that the love of God starts to transform your life. That the love of God gets a hold of you in the core of who you are and allows you to become different than you've ever thought you can be. It's what God does. And so John sits down and he pens the book of 1 John to us, having been transformed by God and now led by the Spirit of God, he writes to us. And here's what he says. First John chapter 1, verse 1. says, That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we've looked upon and our hands have handled concerning the word of life. The life was manifested and we have seen and bear witness and declare to you the eternal life which was with the father and manifested to us pause with me for a second for those of you who know the gospel of john this is kind of familiar right it says in the gospel of john that in the beginning was the word the word was with god the word was god in john 1 1 and then it goes down to john 14 and it says and the word became flesh and dwelt among us john in the gospel john is talking about jesus who was from the beginning who's eternal who was there when the heavens and earth were made becomes listen incarnate are in the flesh and dwells among us well john is echoing that here he's going listen everybody listen i'm, I'm trying to grab your attention i'm about to introduce you to the one who was before time the one who created the heavens and the earth. I, I want you to get a glimpse of him. He has manifested himself to us. And by the way, I walked with him. I talked with him. Man, I, I, my hands have, have hugged him. I've been around Jesus. I've got some authority here to talk to you about who he is and what his heart is for you. And John now writes this. That's which we, in verse three, have seen and heard, we declare now to you, that you may also, here's, we're getting in on why John's writing this, watch, that you may also have fellowship with us, 
And truly, our fellowship is with the Father and his Son, Jesus Christ. And these things I'm writing to you, that your joy may be full. Do you know that God's desire for your life is that your joy would be full? Do you know that God's heart for you is a heart that wants to see your heart full of joy? That's God. I think people get this confused all the time. They think God's out to get them. They think God is the, the cosmic killjoy. Like, God's just up there in heaven, and if you give your life to Jesus, you'll be miserable, but you'll make it to heaven, right? That's just not true. God says, no, I've actually come to give you, Jesus said, life and what? Life more, do you know? Abundantly. He came to give us joy. Matter of fact, in the Gospel of John, chapter 15, Jesus said this, these things I have spoken to you, I've shared all these things with you, disciples, that, your, that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be what? Full. God wants your joy full. And if we could kick them air conditionings on, I'm sweating all over myself already. We're just starting. The next verse I was going to share with you, if you could bring that up. I can't see my bottom verses, guys. Thank you. First Peter chapter 1, verse 8 says this. Though you have not seen him. Look, I want this to be your testimony. Come on. I want this to be what you can say about your life. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Anyone love him today? Come on. Though I don't see, I love him. Right? And even though you do not see him now, you believe in him. And because you believe in him, watch what it says. You are filled with an inexpressible and glorious joy. You see, Christians ought to be the most joyful people on the planet. When you have walked with God, when you've gotten around his love, what bubbles up inside your heart and your life is this thing called joy. It's just joy. And John is writing to draw you deeper into that joy or to draw those of you who maybe you've never experienced that joy to draw you in a place where you experience that joy. It's what God desires for life. And, and by the way, joy is a whole lot different than happiness, right? Happiness is, it's based on happenstance, happenings. Matter of fact, the word literally comes from, from what's happening, what, what's happening, Right? And so you could go from having a, some of you, you wake up in a bad mood, right about noon, you're maybe in a good mood, depending on what happened, then you go back into a bad mood. Come on, are you with me? It's just up, it's just up and down, and it's, it's happenstance happening. Um, you, you, you finally saved enough money to put down on that, that new car that you wanted. You put the money down, you buy the car. You start driving home. You're so excited. You're so happy. Man, I got a new car. You're calling all your friends. You're talking about your car. By the way, did I mention I got a new car? And because you're so distracted talking to all your friends about your new car, you hit a fire hydrant. Now you're not happy anymore. You just, you've lost all your, you haven't even had a chance to insure the car yet, right? And, and, and now you're not so happy. Well, you, you call me and you're telling me about it. And, and I, I write you a check to cover all the damage. I say, I'm, I'll write you a check to cover all that. Now you're happy again. Like, it's all going to be good. And, and everything's happy. And you, you're filled with, filled with happiness again based on the happenstance. And, and then you go to the bank and you try to cash that check. And all of a sudden, you're not so happy. Right? Like, it's just circumstantial. It's, it's based on what's happening around me. And Jesus says, I actually want to give you something far better than just happenstance or happiness. It's called joy. 
Joy is a deep down conviction that all is good. God is on the throne. No matter what is happening around me, no matter what is happening to me, I just got some joy all up inside of me. I'm gonna, there's a foundation. You see, it's, it's not just a quality of my emotions. It's a quality of my spirit. And you can't, you can't knock me down. You can't push me around. Because, see, I've got this joy. And so John writes to bring us into this joy. Well, did you notice where we find that joy? That joy is found in this thing he calls fellowship. We don't use that word a whole lot, do we? You don't really hear people talk, ask Elias, where, where, where were you, Elias? Where? Oh, I was out fellowshipping with my friends. You, you don't use that word a whole lot. The Greek word's koinonia, and what it means is that you have a, you, a, a shared interest, a, a common unity with a group of people at the at the deepest level of, of, of foundational truths, foundational perspectives. Like, we just line up. And John says that there's a joy that God wants to bring you when you're in fellowship with one another. Come on, here. And in fellowship with God. Did you guys see that in the first portion that we read? And he says, if you're in fellowship with us and we're in fellowship with God, it's going to bring about this joy. Another word you can use is Harmony. God wants to bring you into harmony with each other, but more importantly, harmony with God. It works like this. If I'm in harmony with God, come on, and my friend here is in harmony with God, we're both in harmony with God, then we're going to be in harmony with one another. Now watch, when we have that harmony, we experience a deeper level of fellowship, our community, friendship, a deeper level of friendship than, than, you, can, than you can find anywhere else in the world. You cannot, I guess what I'm trying to say, is you cannot have that quality of friendship or brotherhood or sisterhood, you know, on the, on the PTA or the bowling league or the, unless they're all believers, okay. There's a, there's a special koinonia community that we share with, with one another. And tell you, I'm grateful for it. Like, I'm, I'm grateful for the friendships I have in this church. I'm, I'm grateful that we get to build the church together. I'm, I'm grateful we get to reach our city together. I, I'm grateful we get to do life together. I'm, I'm grateful for all of our incredible staff I get to meet with in the week. And listen, we have a harmony with one another that produces joy. But the harmony with one another is found in when we are in harmony with God. Can I talk to you about that? Because see... For us to experience the joy that God actually wants to get us to, that James or that John is wanting to lead us to, it's going to start when you're in fellowship with God, in harmony with God. So here's the question: How you guys follow me this morning? Come on! How do I get into fellowship with God? How do I get into harmony with God? Here's what John does as we continue. John chapter 1, 1 John chapter 1, verse 5. The message which we have heard from him, we now declare to you that God is what? Light. Say it with me. God is light. Here's that light, love, life. We're talking about, he's going around this idea that God is, is light. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. Pause with me. God is light. What, John, what do you mean? What do you mean by that? What do, what do we mean when you say God is light? And what John is trying to communicate, what he wants to say to you is that God is truth. 
God is all things right. God is holy, right? God is what is right versus wrong. He is, he is what is true versus what is false. He says, God is light. Now, pause with me. Think about this. Ready? Watch. If I'm going to experience joy, I've got to have fellowship with God. God is light. Therefore, if I'm going to have fellowship with light or fellowship with what is right, I'm going to, I'm going to be in harmony with what is right. I've got to do something. Listen, I've got to walk. Come on, here's where we're going. I've got to walk in what is right. Because if I'm not walking in what is right, I'm not actually walking in the light, you see. And if I'm not walking in the light, I'm not experiencing that community with God. And therefore, I'm not experiencing the joy that God desires to bring. If we're going to have fellowship with God, we're going to need to walk, conduct our lives in step with what God has said is true and what God has said is right. And this, come on, if I could wake you up right now, this is the core issue we are facing as a nation. This is the core issue we are facing as individuals. That instead of yielding myself to and getting in harmony with God who is right, God who is true, I want to do my own thing. I'm going to go my own way. And so we live in a nation right now. Can we talk for a second? We live in a nation right now that doesn't even want to consider what God has to say anymore. Do you know you, re, you rewind, you know, 80 years, 100, you'd walk into, you would see the Ten Commandments posted in, in courtrooms. Because, I mean, this was the foundation of all truth. But now, no, we don't want to. There was prayer in schools. It's a vital part of school. No, we're not going to do that anymore. We don't, want, we don't want to submit to or even hear from the author of what is right and wrong. We want to go out and discover it for ourselves, do our own thing, walk our own way. But friends, it doesn't, it's not hard to realize if you're not walking in the light, you're going to be in the dark. And that's where we are, in the dark. And it's not just as a nation, come on, can I talk to you for a second? I, I think we find ourselves in the dark. Whenever we say, God, I, I, I know what's best. Instead of stepping into what you say, God, I, I'm going to do what I want. So, so now it's not a matter of what God has said to me. Some of us are living like this. It's a matter of how I feel. It's a matter of what I desire, what I want to do. And so now, watch, listen, I'd rather be sexually promiscuous than practice purity. That's because that's what I want. And it's really interesting to me that we go and we do what we want because we think if we do what we want, it's actually going to give us happiness or joy when the reality is that your joy will never be experienced with you out there just doing what you think is right. Because often, are you guys following this? Often what you think is right isn't actually right. And so you think it's going to produce joy, but actually it starts to strip you of joy, rob you of joy. It, it locks you out of joy. Why? Because you're in the dark. So it, instead of being pure, I'm going gonna, I'm, I'm gonna to do what I want. We, we, we think to ourselves, I'd rather serve my needs than, than the needs of others. I, I'd rather be greedy than, than generous. I, I'd, I'd rather... 
I'd rather go about my marriage the way I want to go about my marriage instead of submitting my marriage to God's word. God's word says that, watch, a husband is to love his wife as Christ. Come on, I feel like an old hellfire brimstone preacher this morning. Like, the Bible says that you are to love your wife as Christ loved the church. Great. How did he do that? Tall order. And gave himself for her. It's called sacrifice. I don't know why she doesn't respect me. Well, are you loving her in a way that sacrifices yourself for her? I don't want to do that. Well, you're in the dark. God gave us that instruction because that's how it works. And if we run around going, I want to do what I want to do when I want to do it, you can't be surprised when you wake up and things are, you find yourself stumbling around. You know, I want to have kids but not raise kids. Come on, why? Because raising kids is a lot of work. Come on, somebody, it's work. Anyone got some kids? Come on. Is it work? Yes, it's work. So what happens is you got a generation of people that we just want to check out of the work. Well, the Bible says train up a child in the way that they'll go, and when they're older, they not depart from it. Train up, train up, train up. Train up is work. It means I got to get up off the couch and go correct them when they're doing dumb things. Oh, I know, I know. Those of you who got one or two kids, like it's easy when you got one or two. I don't know what you do when you get to like four and five kids. Some of you guys, you're on your fifth kid and you're like, I don't even want to get up anymore. I don't want to get up. I got up for the first one. I'm not getting up for the fifth one. In Jesus' name, you got to get up. Come on. They need you to, to intervene. They, they need you to speak into their life, to train up. See, if I say I just want to do it my way, it's all about me. I'd rather look out for my interests. And right now, I don't feel like checking, getting up. I don't feel like checking in and helping. I'm doing my own thing. Well, fine. But listen, you're walking in the dark. And it'll never produce what it is you are longing for inside your life, which is a harmony with God that leads to joy in all parts of your life. Is this making sense? So we live in a way where we're searching for joy, but we keep walking in the dark. I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather, I'd rather. And so I just want to pry a little bit before I move on to the rest of this. It's like, where are you? God wants to give you joy, that joy is found in fellowship with him. He is light, and if you're going to fellowship with the light, you got to walk in the light. Make sense? Where are you? Like, how do you make your decisions? Do you make your decisions based on, well, I feel like it. I feel like it. Well, the gospel, John's writing you this epistle to go, hey, stop doing everything you feel. <laughs> you know, there's this, I, I talked to you, uh, uh, we talked about it when we went through the Q&A. This is, over the last couple of weeks, there's this huge movement right now just to be authentic with how you feel. That is really bad advice. It just is. And I don't know why we don't stand up and go, hey, listen, stop. That's like you're calling, what you're calling authenticity is actually foolish, because you, you, authenticity to how you feel is never going to produce joy or fulfillment and happiness in your life. It just won't. It's just because your, your, your emotions will lie to you. People, people say, follow your heart. Follow your heart. Just follow. And it sounds so sweet. It's actually like we should teach a message on following your heart. Okay, let me tell you what the Bible says about your heart. It's deceitfully wicked. Who can know it? Like who wants to follow that? And, and the reason I'm bringing that up is because it's just such a movement right now. What do I feel? What do I feel? Stop. The question isn't, what do I feel like doing? It's, what does God say I should be doing? 
right? What I want is what's called integrity. I'm going to do what is right no matter what I feel like, right? Amen? Like, I'm just going to do what is right. And what is right, I'm going to walk in the light. I'm going to walk in the light, which means I've got to come to the conclusion that God is light. He knows what's right. He knows what's wrong. He knows, he knows what's true. And if I know that and I believe that about him, I'm going to come now and submit myself to the one who actually knows what he's talking about. I'm telling you right now, you don't know what you're talking about if you're not talking about what he's talking about. What you, what you read on some like Instagram posts, which you students just, just been following on your TikTok. I'm telling you, unless it lines up with God's word, it is not truth. And it will lead you down roads you wish you never went down. And we keep following. Well, they got a whole bunch of followers and they're doing that and they look happy. They look happy. They look happy. They look happy. Keep following their life. You're not sitting there behind the scenes when they are wondering why, even though they have so many followers, they're still depressed. Why they're still struggling with, with anxiety. You don't see all that. You see a highlight reel, a highlight reel, a highlight reel that is lying to you. Telling you just do whatever you feel and Friends, what you honestly are longing for is fellowship with God. You're, you're longing to walk in the light. So say, God is light. Now, I'm going to have you say it again, but here's how I want you to say it. When, Jay, when John makes this announcement that God is light, it's supposed to be like good news. Why? Because everyone's walking around the dark. Everyone's trying to find their way. And I was wondering, is there any hope? Are we ever going to figure this out? Or we all just got to keep wandering, trying to do it on our own. And then John shows up and goes, hey, everybody, don't worry. Everyone is in the dark. Everyone is wandering around. Everyone is trying to find their own way. Listen, come on. And have you ever, ever wandered around in the dark? You ever, you ever try at night when it's late and husbands, come on, like your, your wife went to bed a little earlier than you. This happens in my house all the time. And I'm downstairs and finish up my study and I come up and she shut off all the lights. Sometimes I could make it to bed without hitting something. But often, especially we're going to go on a trip the next day, we pack and we set the stuff out. We've had a couple conversations about it, but I'm praying for my wife because it doesn't seem to seek in. We keep leaving the stuff in the same spot right in the middle of the walkway is our luggage. And every, every time lights are out, I walk in, you hear bloom, bloom, poof. I I am in the luggage. I've hit the wall. I've like, it's, it's miserable. I get up and I pray for my wife, everybody. I pray for my wife. I might be kidding. It is hard walking around in the dark. You're stumbling. You're, 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 you're searching. You're, is this true? Is, is that true? Where, where, where do I go? And this is this whole generation. This, this whole nation is going, what do we do? And, 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 and we get so dogmatic about the dumbest things. We commit ourselves to the dumbest. We're in the dark. And then God shows up in the middle of this problem we find ourselves and go, and John says, he declares through the Spirit of God, God is light. In other words, there is hope. You don't have to stay in darkness. God is light. He's going to turn the lights on in your life. So tell your neighbor, God is light. Come on, with a big smile on your face. God is light. He's light. I don't have to keep trying to live this way. I don't have to keep stumbling around. I don't have to keep trying to feel my way through. See, God is light. Now, verse 6 and 7, as we 
continue a little bit more. It says, if we say, so we're going to look at a couple if we says real quick before we close. Because you're like, oh, that's good. God is light. Great. If we say, and some of you in here are saying this right now, so John has caught you. If we say that we have fellowship with him, I got fellowship with God. I'm in church right now. I was clapping during the baptisms and I sing the songs. Like, I've got fellowship with God. If we say we have fellowship with God and we yet walk in darkness, you're actually lying and not practicing the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us of all sin. Here's what John says. Somebody could be like, wait, wait, I'm good. I got fellowship with God. I mean, I am in church and I did sing the songs. Isn't that enough? Shouldn't I be experiencing life and joy? Here's what John says. If you have if you say you have fellowship with God and yet you're walking in darkness or you're aligning your life, you're not aligning your life with God, you're actually deceiving yourself. And there are so many people deceived. Some of us even here right now, you're deceived. You say you're good. I got fellowship with God. But it's not about singing the songs, friends. It's about aligning our lives. Listen to me. You've got to align your life with the truths of God's word, with the, with the truth of what is right and what is wrong. And so to sit here and go, I've got fellowship, but then you go out, watch, listen. Please just let me go there with you for a second because I love you. You allow stuff in your life that you know shouldn't be there. John actually says, listen, you're deceiving yourself. You can't say you have fellowship with God and yet keep running around allowing that. We leave here and we do stuff with our life we know we shouldn't do. We say stuff with our lips that we know we shouldn't say. We, we look at stuff with our eyes that we know we shouldn't see. John says, listen, you're not really walking with God. You're not in harmony with God. And therefore, you'll never really experience fellowship with God or the joy of God. You, you, you keep running to those things and you're gonna keep yourself in the dark even though you say, I'm in the light. What proves whether or not you're in the light is whether or not you're walking in the light. Is this making sense, everybody? So here's my question for you. Come on, just, what are those things? Because I know like even when I said that, here's what happens is that the Spirit of God goes, for you that's this, and maybe it's this over here. Like, I just want you to be honest with yourself. Like what are those things? How about instead of turning to those things and running to those things, listen, you let God cleanse you of those things, wash you of those things, free you of those things. God can do that and he desires to do that. That's why he says, if you come back into the light, the blood of Jesus will cleanse you of all that sin. Amen? So some are gonna say, I'm good, I got fellowship with God. And then he deals with one more group as we close. There's others who will say, Watch in verse eight. If we say we have no sin. So this is a group that's like, like, what's, we're talking about, like you got some stuff in your life that doesn't line up with God. And you're like, what? What are you talking about? Nothing to see over here. I'm all good. I've got it figured out. I haven't messed, I, I don't mess up. I haven't messed up. I've got no sin. Here's what he says. If you say you have no sin, you deceive yourself. You're still deceiving yourself. 
and the truth is not in us. But if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. If we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. John goes, look it. Some of us are going to run around and go, nothing to see here. I'm good. I'm not really in sin. And John goes, you're actually calling God a liar? Because you know Romans 3.23 says, we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. This is all of us. That means everyone with a heartbeat right now in this moment, you've done things in rebellion against God. You've gone your own way. Matter of fact, in the, in the book of Isaiah 53 verse 6 says, we all like sheep have wandered astray. Each one has turned to our own way. All of us. And thank God I'm not going to close the message out like that today. There's hope. Amen? Because he says, if you say you have not sinned, you lie. The truth's not in you. But if you confess your sins, what does confession mean? This is what a lot of us need to do. It means that you allow the light of God to expose those things inside your life and you just agree with God. Yep, that shouldn't be there. Yeah, I know. God, I see it. I agree with you. I confess it. And he says, when you confess your sin, what happens? He's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all. Someone say all. All. All unrighteousness. All of it. No matter how much there is, how dirty it is, how deep it's gone, how, how, how filthy, how, no matter how long it's been in your life, no matter how bad you think it's, it is, no matter if you think this is a part of me and it's always going to be a part of me, he says, if you just confess, you'll be forgiven of all your sins. But here's what we like to do as the worship team comes up. We like to, instead of confessing, I think sometimes we don't confess it. We, we try to, man, we're just going to try to, we're going to dismiss it. We're going to act like it's not there instead of confessing it. My daughter, Raya, she's little. I remember going upstairs, and there's a big rule in our house. You're not allowed in mommy's makeup. Don't get in mommy's makeup. Come on, right? Don't mess up mom's makeup. And I, I, I support that because makeup's not cheap, everybody. I'm like, don't just, don't waste the makeup, Right? But we get upstairs, and, and, and Raya is little, and she's, she's sitting there in, 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 her, in her bathroom in front of the sliding, sliding glass mirror, and, and, and she's got lipstick all over, all over her face right here. And Tate and I walk up, and I go, Raya, did you get in mom's makeup? And I kid you not, my sweet little precious Raya just looks up, lipstick everywhere, and goes, no. And I go, Raya, I'm a, let me ask you again, sweetheart. Did you get in mommy's makeup? Try to make it fun. She's like, no. And so I'm thinking to myself, you know, kind of laughing and I'm thinking to myself, girl, it is all over you. I said, hey, I said, look in the mirror really quick. I said, I said, what is that? She's so cute because she's going like this. She's like, and as she's doing that, it's like going up her face. It's just smearing everywhere. Girls, I don't know how you get that stuff off your face. It took forever trying to get, actually, you're like, I don't put it on my face. That's how we do this, right? 
So I said, Ryan, look in the mirror. I said, what's on your face? And she goes, that's spaghetti. Kid you not. Ladies and gentlemen, it was not spaghetti. And I think with God, sometimes we're like, God, we're like, God, what, what, what? We're good, God, we're good. God's going, have you looked in the mirror? James actually says that God's word is a, is a mirror. It shows us what manner we are. And the, the reason God holds up a mirror is so that you can stop ignoring things and start fixing things. God doesn't convict you because he's, he's mean. and God's, God convicts you because he wants to help you get all that stuff off your face. God just wants to help clean you. He wants you to see it. Why? So when you confess it, you don't have to go and try to wash it off. When you confess it, the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses you of all sin and unrighteousness. He washes you. He cleanses you. Come on, amen. He does his work inside of you. If we just confess it, don't justify it. Don't excuse it. Some of you are like, oh, this is just the way my family is. This is the way it's always going to be. Just say, hey, stop, stop, stop. Confess. Confess. Some of us just, we live behind a mask that we've shaped that tells the world, I'm good. When in reality, you just know things are off. You put a smile on around people, but when you get alone, there's a weight of guilt. There's a weight of shame. And Jesus says, just confess it. Just agree with God and let him cleanse you. Walk in the light. Where would God in your life want to expose some things, call some things out? All sin, all unrighteousness is cleansed. Let me give you one last verse. Book of John, chapter 3, verse 16. We'll close on this. I need you to see it, all right? You guys hanging with me, everybody? You good? Got baptism, all that's happening, and I know a lot. I, I, I have to leave you with this. John 3, 16 says, For God so loved the world. We know this verse, right? For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him would not perish but have everlasting life. Let's continue to read. For God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned. But whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only son. Now watch this. This is the verdict. Like, this is what it all boils down to. Listen, right here, right here. Light has come into the world. Amen. Thank you, God, for light. Light has come into the world, but people love darkness instead of light because their deeds were evil. Everyone who does evil hates light and will not come to the light for fear of their deeds being exposed. But whoever lives by the truth comes to the light. This is the verdict. In other words, this is what it all boils down to. When you stand before God, you're going to stand before God on, on this and this alone. What have you done with the light? Have you come to the light? It's not God rattling off a list of you did this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and this wrong and you did that wrong and you didn't. It's not like all those things. Like God's just going, what did you do with the light? Did you come into the light? And the And the difference between joy and life, forgiveness, heaven, and death, and dark, and separation from God, is this confession. God, you're right. I need you. 
I surrender to you. I turn to you. Old school Bible word, it means it's repent. And some of us today, we need it. It's a beautiful thing. Thanks for joining us for today's message from Citizens Church. It's our prayer that through this message, God would impact and inspire your life. If you have any questions for us or would like to let us know how God is using these messages in your life, please let us know by sending an email to connect at citizenschurch.org. Also, if you would like to support this ministry financially, you can do so online and help in seeing more lives changed through the work here at Citizens Church. Thank you so much for joining us. Gotta, gotta keep on.